Hello, and welcome to the Keen on Things podcast. Why do I always do that? I say hello, and then I take a moment. Maybe we all need to take a moment. Maybe this is a good opportunity to take a moment. This whole show has taken a moment. It's taken 30 moments from your lives every day, every week, rather, and you come in and do this to yourself. I got no sympathy for you. No. Uh, Keen on Things podcast, guys. Thanks for joining me. Half an hour every week. Hope it does something for you. It definitely does something for me. It a uh, it's a nice marker. It's a nice uh, reboot, boot, preboot to the week. I don't know. This is the latest the show's ever been released. I think this is a Wednesday. Uh, I'm trying for Sunday nights, Monday, but I, I'm also just trying to live. You know what I mean? Um, I have absolutely nothing to share this week. That's part of the situation too. Oh, it's Dan's wife's birthday today, Jill Satchoff. I just got a notice on my computer that it's Jill Satchoff's birthday. Congratulations. Uh, I'm supposed to go over there, actually, to film some uh, corporate piece clip that we're going to have online, live somewhere, monologue jokes. Uh, anyway, okay. Uh, yeah, nothing to share this week, kind of. You always have something to share. I finally figured out some stuff to uh, to write about. I feel like the news where I have to create something just to talk about anything at all costs, even if it's like fear-based. I think that's what the news does. The 24-hour, we have to find something, some way that the world's going to end. And then in this half hour, we're going to solve it. Um, like we solved it. Our network, MSNBC, CNN, Fox News, we, sol we solved it. Uh, I was just going to release like a seven-minute episode and see what happens. But uh, I really want to shoot for 30. You know, this thing gives me... A little something to look forward to it gives me a routine in this chaotic time um which is what we search i think maybe even church is that what we look for in church it's just something every week sunday like it's all just so controlled do you know um that when we write the numbers this is episode 35 and when we write the numbers zero to ten we have to write out the word like hey there's I, I purchased three tickets, like T-H-R-E-E. -E. Isn't that good of me? After that, you can just put the digits. Maybe it's is it 0 to 9 or 1 to 10 or 1 to 9, something like that. It's so arbitrary. I don't always honor it because when writing jokes, you know, people need to be able to read something very fast and not go, oh, three, like three. It needs visually to make sense. Um, the number puts a picture in a writer's head differently than the written out word. And I like to follow procedure. I like that England is in charge of English and not America because the things we'll do to it are frightening. But uh, anyway, comedy needs to be concise, and I don't always write out the word. I'm getting blown up on, on text here. I've got to not look at this. Okay. Um, I need the number. The number puts a picture in the reader's head differently than the written out word. Okay. We got that. Where did that come from? Anyway, comedy needs to be concise, and that means not spelling out numbers, right? Visually needs to be quick. Visually needs to be quick. Anyway, um, there's a movie. The reason I say this is because somebody brought up the movie. I don't know who it was this week. Oh, was I, I think I was talking to Sophia about this because my friend Sophia in England had uh, asked me some various trivia bio personal stuff and was like what's a good movie that other people might not know about the movie one two three spelled out one two three o-n-e t-w-o t-h-r-e-e -E, the numbers it's it's a movie called one two three and it's with james cagney it's spelled out it's not just one two three the digits all right 
One, two, three is the title and spelled out 1961 James Cagney masterpiece, just a comedic masterpiece. It's a film that takes place in West Berlin where James Cagney character plays a Coca-Cola employee, high up executive. And, you know, Coke, I don't know when Coke started, but it's just exploding into Europe. And, you know, you're right on the cusp of cusp of communist uh, East Germany. And he's in West Berlin, East Berlin, that whole thing. And he and his wife have to entertain the boss's daughter. They're based in Atlanta, so the boss is a southerner. And their daughter falls in love with someone from East Berlin, a Soviet. And it's just mayhem ensues. And just absolute hijinks where he has to go into East Berlin and pull some shenanigans. Uh, I'm going to watch it again this holiday season. I was just telling uh, Sophia, and then I was telling someone else about it too about this movie and i don't know what it is you know it it just captures the early 60s progressive kennedy era it's very refreshing just before color really came into film so it's like that kind of sophisticated black and white and i'm sure it could have been in color 1961 seems like it was far enough into time that it could have been in color but it wasn't and it's just a romantic time in my head in my head. And James Cagney just reminds me of my maternal uh, grandpa so much. My mom's dad. Um, very, very much. Uh, and there's some maybe some favoritism there. Okay. I'm looking at a lot of different things here. And I think it was his last movie. I mean, his last movie was a Navy comedy with Jack Lemmon, some film. I think it is, where he doesn't really have any lines. But this was his last great film performance. And in those days, those days people age so fast. I mean, this was 1961, and I think his last movie might have been 68 or 69 with Jack Lemmon, and he looks like 20 years older. But uh, just a joy, man. He could sing, act, dance, um, quick-witted, good athlete. And that's what my grandpa was. He was a funny guy. He was a dancer. He was quick-witted. He sang. He was a good athlete. Bebopping all over the place, having a little cocktail, a little bourbon. From Chicago, so there's a little bit of an accent with his Chicagoness. I don't know. I think James Cagney might have been a New Yorker, but uh, anyway. I have no idea how we got on that. I have no idea. Oh, and I was talking about releasing a seven-minute episode, and I had the word seven written out. Boy. Boy, is this podcast out of material. I've liked the calm over the past week, even though Orange is uh, kicking up a fuss about voter fraud. I think people are like, yeah, yeah, keep keep barking, wind. Keep going. Nobody cares. We're done. We're moving on. We don't even care about Biden. We just want it calm for a while. And just all the people, even Howard Stern came out, and he's like, hey, have your hillbilly following stand down. I want you to do, some, do something good for the country. Jesus. And you think you're going to run a news network? Howard Stern said this. You think you're going to run a news network? I think it'll be dead in less than a year. You have no idea what kind of work goes into that. Actual work. You just you can't just scrape the surface. I think he'll probably travel, speak to his base, do live rallies, which are absurd. Um, Bernie's rallies blow doors on that guy, by the way. Um, yeah, we just... We, uh, okay. So the movie 123 with James Cagney. When I visit my friend Chris Bodell in New York, I stay with him in Hell's Kitchen, 42nd Street and 9th Ave. Great part of town. Great part of town. I try to schedule shows there when I'm there. It can be tricky because I want to see friends, but I also want to do shows. 
And I usually schedule shows only if I'm there longer than a week. Because by the time Chris is like, okay, cool, we've caught up, we've had a few dinners, we've seen some friends, um, had some lunches, now I'm going to go do my thing, you know, while still doing whatever. And Chris goes upstate every week, to, like Skinny Alice anyway, but uh, if I'm only there a week, I don't bother, because I don't want to cancel shows in case, like, friends want to do something, even though they could come to a show, but I really like to be locked in with the show. But anyway, by night four... I usually go at least to the stand. Uh, I think that's on second Ave, and eh, third half, second half. And I watch a show. I see a friend perform, you know, who lives there. I maybe go to the cellar, have a drink, whatever. On a few occasions, I've had shows in Brooklyn and I love New York. I love walking period. But in New York, it's like, yeah, you get the exercise and you don't, you're not even trying. Sometimes in LA, you gain weight just cause like there's nowhere to walk really kind of. So you don't try. Uh, so a couple times, I've left Chris's place in Hell's Kitchen around 4 p.m. whilst having a show in Brooklyn, okay? And for, like, let's say I have a 7 or 8 p.m. show in Brooklyn, and I give myself enough time leaving Hell's Kitchen and with the idea that I'll walk as far as I can, then hop on a train and go the rest of the way via train. And I do this. I do this for a big portion of the year, even when it's cold, even like October, November, and then ah, uh, maybe April, because because winter seems to hang. It's not like oh no, March is getting warmer again. Mm, warmer, still freezing. Usually April, but for four months of the year, I don't think I'd walk this. Maybe, but on multiple occasions when I've done this, when I've walked from Hell's Kitchen to Brooklyn, uh, the weather's been good. Even, even from downtown, like it's like 55 minutes of a walk. But I've done it in December. I've walked from downtown Wall Street area up to Hell's Kitchen, no problem. No problem. I mean, it's just such visual art. It's visual living. On multiple occasions, the weather's good. Okay, I kept, uh, so I just kept walking. And two or three times, I made it all the way to Brooklyn. Three-hour walk. Not a big deal. It's a three-hour walk, even though it's pre-show. And it's cool enough that I'm not sweating too bad. Um. Three hours, spelled T-H-R-E-E. -E. So I walk past this bar in Brooklyn, right? I'm going to a bar where the show is, and it's got a little showroom. And I walk past a bar to perform, and I see the movie One, Two, Three on TV, Black and White, Mayhem. It's so funny. I'd recommend this. It's only about an hour and a half. It was like happy hour. I think it was still light out, not crowded. And I cannot believe i'm like oh my god i cannot believe and i think i must have been late for the show or like cutting it close but i cannot believe i didn't rush in to find out who put that movie on like whose idea that, that wasn't just randomly on i don't think i don't think unless they just have like tcm playing in that bar for some reason it's just such a specific film and it just goes in line it goes in line it falls in line with a crippling shyness over the course of my life that i've had in, in, in moments. I've really gotten good at, at branching out, even pushing myself to weird situations. Believe me. Believe that. But if I could go back, I'd be like, I, I would really connect with whoever. If someone's like, oh, it's one of my favorite movies, or if someone's like, oh, I always like this movie, or eh, it seemed like it, I would go in and tell them that. And then we'd have that moment, and they'd be like, what a whack job. Or they'd be like, oh, wow, I, I didn't, wasn't even thinking when I put this on. Um. You know, I wasn't even thinking. And this guy, like, that guy just came in off the street. And, like, I just met this guy. And, like, 
he's a hilarious comedian and I'm going to be a big fan of his. No, uh, but I, I think, I think I, uh, I lost out on a moment because, because, you know, somebody could have seen what that decision to put that movie on did. Like the guy came in off the street. If you're playing Godfather or, you know, pretty woman or let me try to relate to the women. I do Godfather or Shawshank Redemption or a few good men or, uh, you know, Smoking the Bandit or Steel Magnolias, you know, uh, Terms of Endearment, uh, Bridesmaids. Look at me try to relate to the women. Uh, it's just such a specific film. So, and it goes in line with this this lifetime of shyness that I've had where I'm like, eh, I don't want to expose myself. Go in, say, hey, man, this is one of my favorite movies. So, someone goes, who cares? Someone, our boss put it on and left. But the fact that it would have brought someone in off the street, that specific of a movie, and it's not like I'm 80 or 90 at the time. At the time, I'm probably uh, 45, I'm 48 now. And uh, I don't know. There was a connection there that, that probably should have been made and could have been made. So, you know, I, I've worked so hard to get over this shyness. Uh, as a little kid, it was terrible. And I still have it in some areas. I think we all do. But I sometimes I overdo it and I throw myself into uh, a crazy situation. And then force myself to like make that connection to that dot that's way out there. Um, anyway, that was a bar in Brooklyn. I don't even know what name it is. I don't even know what street it is. Part of me likes to think of Brooklyn as just this like not knowing exactly where the streets are and where, where I was. And it, it's in my head like a foreign country. I'm like, oh, I have no idea where I was. It's like kind of romantic to me to just that it's this mess in my head. Um. Did I just go off on the movie one, two, three, and numbers and letters for 14 minutes? God, I wish I could apply my brain to something useful. Anything, right? Uh, okay. What's this episode going to be called? No Man's Land. That's what we're going to call this because that's where my head is these days. I think I'm, we're all just exhausted from the election. And now the focus is on coronavirus and the holidays and um, the inauguration. And so we're like in a little bit of a funk that believe me, there is a global, not only pandemic from the virus, but from just getting agent orange moved on, man. I don't think people that live in those communities that love him understand what he's doing worldwide and what he's doing for morale and what he's doing for our national reputation, especially for communities that don't love him. Okay. Anyway, politics aside, I had two Zoom corporate comedy shows last week. Jesus, we're halfway through. We're flying. Okay. Had two Zoom corporate comedy shows last week. Very, very difficult. You wouldn't think sitting in your room just talking into your computer would be difficult, regardless of hearing laughter. It was the same company. One group was in the U.S., one was in the U.K., and it was weird both times, both times. Uh, and I'm just in my room with a shirt and tie with a nice little backdrop. English audiences uh, are smarter, kind of, uh, in ways. It depends. You know, I used to, like, hold them up on a pedestal. It, it depends, man. You know, they don't give love, the English audiences. American audiences might not get the jokes, but they will throw an audible laugh out there, just try to be polite. Um, it's different cultures. Like, you can't just go, all right, to an English audience. I remember this on a cruise ship for some of these old couples both english and american just miserable canadians generally are a perfect hybrid i find they really are good at comedy with comedy watching it um but i just remember like okay give it up for yourselves or something stupid like that which is a very american thing and english couples are like no like almost like not only what is that but no 
And it's like, oh, okay. Um, the Zoom shows, and this company, it was fine. The shows were difficult, but their company, it's a great company. And I'm talking from my end. The Zoom shows uh, have a group of people at the top of your screen, right? So you have five or six who you're talking to. Uh, you can see their faces. You can kind of see what they're doing. If you choose to watch, I kind of focus. I make sure that my face is visible to them. I don't really watch what they're doing. Um, and then my face is going out to like hundreds of other people for that company as they watch from different places. Like they're watching from, I don't know, if, I doubt they're watching from work. They're all probably watching from home or they've got it on mute or whatever and don't care, which is fine. Um, some of the English crowds that I, I remember from cruise ships and even in this Zoom show, they'll actually start talking to you while you're on stage or doing a Zoom. They'll be like, cheers now. Like, like, don't think that one. And it's like, what and not they don't necessarily do it to hurt the performance just kind of to engage maybe they think they're helping i don't know but it's just like the english way to maybe engage and it's it's weird man it's just two two countries separated by a common language uh so at first when talking to the english crowd like on the zoom show a couple people chimed in which made it weird because i don't know what joke they're referring to and i'm trying to keep it moving and I didn't know who was talking. Like, I think a couple of people were talking to each other. So it's just weird because everybody can hear, hundreds of people can hear when one person's in their living room talking to their mate, mate, lover, significant other. Um, then all of them muted themselves because they're like, oh, I think we'd better turn the volume off because everyone can hear. And they muted themselves being polite. But then you can't hear any feedback. And that's no good either. So it was completely silent, the English show. It was tough, man. It was tough. It was 20 minutes each time. Uh, I was really happy to be done and even a little proud that um, it had been sitting in my gut for like a week. I was in Austin when I found out about the gig. And in a way, it tainted my Austin visit because it was like that was looming in the air. That was hanging. Um, and so uh, so anyway, the Zoom show is bad. I mean, it's look. Some comics, the Zoom, where you're not getting anything back, is not a problem. A Zoom comedy show. They're conversational comics, whatever. They never needed the laughter. They were never that good on stage. Sometimes a worse comic can do better in bad rooms or situations where laughter just isn't going to happen anyway. You know, I did a, I did a, uh, I remember doing a daytime party for this guy who was 80. Scott Shannon booked it at his restaurant. It was daytime in a restaurant, high ceilings, all the all the worst things that could happen. Daylight streaming in from outside, right in Santa Monica. It's a beautiful day, and I, I just remember like it was terrible. The gig was terrible, and then a, a terrible comic went on after me and did did okay. He did quite well because he's so used to like they're not being laughs, they're not being loved, no momentum at all, and he just was like. Uh, rolling with it it's crazy man um i was actually happy the company the company in india spelled my last name wrong k a e n e my last name is spelled keen k e a n e like the band from england who would laugh at my show if they saw it keen k e a n e and uh they spelled it wrong and i was actually happy because i was like yeah i don't think anybody's looking me up anyway and if they are, they're not going to find me with that spelling, so I'm out of here. It was kind of like the old days where you could do things anonymously, you know, 
wink, wink. I have no idea what that means. And that brings me to another fascinating show. I can't believe, I'm sorry, a fascinating story. Um, next week's show is going to just be so great. I find that when you have a sluggish show like this, uh, the next one's great. You hit it out of the park. <laughs> People are like, really? Why have you had 35 average ones? I do have a lot going on. I mean, I, I have a lot of my jokes are being colorized by Mike Goldstein. They're being put to cartoons. Uh, comics, not cartoon, not animation. Wait a minute. Is what's it's not action it's just a print it's a timestamp. it's a still and they're looking really good um but uh anyway i did a show in vegas i forgot the name of the room i was trying to ask my roommate dave last night i did a show in vegas i forgot the name i think it's gone now it's creepy room it had like three different rooms where you do comedy there but i got i got in there in like 08 or 09 just before it went away and uh, it was two shows a night, seven nights. You start on a Monday, I believe, and you go seven nights, and you eat in the horrible cafeteria if you want. And after the first show, did the first show, and then afterwards it was like, ladies and gentlemen, oh, at the beginning of the first show they said, and please welcome Patrick Keani. And so I took the stage, did my show, and afterwards I was like, hey, where's the guy? And they're like, huh? And I was like, where's the guy, the announcer? I want to tell him my name is pronounced Keen. And they're like, oh no, that's a, that was a recording. I was like, oh, that was a recording. Patrick Keon. And I was like, can we change it? And they're like, no, we, we, ship it. we, we get it shipped to us, whatever the clip or whatever. The guy does it from shipped to us. Mm. Shipped or is it done electronically? There's a guy in Arizona that does it. He does all the voices. He does all the intros. He's a specialist, a specialist. And uh, so we can't change it. There's not time. And I'm like, I have to listen to my name be pronounced Keani 13 more times in the next seven days. Keani. And they're like, sorry, sorry. I mean, they couldn't care less. They, they could not care less. My bigger thing was like, wait, there's a guy that specializes in this. And he looked at Keen and thought it was Keani. There's no eyes. There's no H's, okay? Um, I'm not Hawaiian. Just look at me. Look at the picture that went along with it. Come on. Let's get on the same page. You people that, like, these peripheral people in comedy that don't care about it, and they don't realize that, like, it needs to be more specific. Comedy is so specific, especially stand-up. It's a specific desired response. It's not music. You can't have it in the background. You can't have it in an elevator. Well, maybe, actually, where they're trapped. It's not theater. It's not a speech. It's not something that can be on in the background. It requires full attention. That's why it's like, it has to be like, are we going to go see comedy? We better see who it is, you know, because we're stuck in that room for an hour and a half, hour 15, where we have to listen and we have to be dialed in. We can't be on our phones. We can't be talking like we could if it's music. We can't be in and out of the room if it were music. That's a lot. If it's an opera, if it's a play where things are drowned out, where there's pageantry, where there's bells and whistles. You know what I mean? The bells and whistles. That's why these late night talk show hosts kind of flail in this format. It's awful. Like you, people are like, I'm just going to go to the podcast. You know, I'll go to the podcast world where it's at least interesting and people are talking about real things. But these talk shows without the bells and whistles, it's awful. And that's too much to ask from people to have, to give that attention. Maybe more this generation is how they were raised, whatever. But regardless of age, it's this time period. You're asking for people to be locked in. That's why some comics Try to make it easier by being loud to get people's attention. Being vulgar, being overly physical. There's a difference between charisma and stage presence. 
right? I'm sorry, there's a difference between charisma, stage presence, that whole thing, and being cartoonishly physical, humping the mic stand, you know? I mean, do what you want to do, right? Nobody has the monopoly on comedy, on humor. I used to say Dane Cook didn't do stand-up comedy. He did stand-up energy. If you went to a show or listened to him, it was to watch someone do those absurd act-outs. It wasn't anything that would tickle your brain. It wasn't repeated, really, the jokes. It was there to tickle your eyes, right? And in a way, just as impressive. Not a fan, but really admire that someone can do that. Maybe it's like magic, too. I don't know. I just it, I, I really admire, respect, and envy that ability to do that. I mean, Dane really uses body and face. Like Brian Regan or Jim Carrey, those guys I found a little, a, a lot funnier. Um, but whatever. He does his thing, and he does it very well. Very impressive. Um. And I'm singling him out. There's plenty of comics that do it. He just did it the best. Dane just did it the best, you know. Okay, what do we got here? Um, so yeah, comedy specific, and and so that's what's hard with the Zoom. But it is training me to be more conversational than uh, than just joke, punchline, joke, punchline. It's training me to uh, you know engage more and be present. Instead of just like, hey, here's my stuff, I'm out of here. Like I'm committing a crime. Like I'm robbing a bank, for crying out loud. Okay. All right, this flew by, kind of. Did it? Oh, poor people that are listening. Okay, next week's going to be better. I'm much more prepared. This last week was sluggish. Uh, I was in Orange County, and uh, that usually sets me back a day or two. But anyway, now we've reached the time in the episode where it is. Patrick Keynes tweets. Of the week. Patrick Keynes tweets of the week. On Monday, I tweeted... Um, what's the best soap to wash with? What's the best soap to wash with after a Zoom show? Because <laughs> you need to take a shower immediately because you just feel gross. Okay. Um, that's fun. I got a lot of love. On Tuesday, I tweeted, I'm really freaking out about this second wave. The second wave of Jersey Shore. Get it? Of Jersey Shore. I'm really freaking out about the second wave of Jersey Shore because that show's coming back or some form of it. Um, and everyone thinks I was talking about the pandemic. That's going to hit, man. Chicago numbers are hit huge again. Indoors, cold, all this. Yeah, I'm going to get a little more vigilant about it now that it's cold weather, even in L.A. Uh, on Wednesday, I tweeted, Zoom is a Greek word for nervous breakdown because <laughs> we're all going through so much with uh, the Zoom, right? A, uh, a Greek word for nervous breakdown. I wonder if I should have Zoom comedy show. It seems like civilians, though, that have Zoom meetings are going crazy. They're on seven-hour Zooms. They're going nuts. My friend Simone in Orange County is going berserk. Um, on Thursday, I tweeted, um, I had two Irish grandfathers. One was from Ireland and fought in the war, World War II. One was from Chicago, Southside. And the one from Chicago has worse flashbacks. Isn't that great? The one from Chicago had worse flashbacks. Uh, that's good, because he had a tough upbringing. He was the one, the Jimmy Cagney one. I mean, they both did, man. I mean, it, it was the early 1900s. I don't know if anybody had a good time. Maybe there was like a few rich white people on the East Coast of New York or something in Europe. What? Okay. Um, on Friday, am I already on Friday? On Friday, I tweeted, the worst part about Zoom shows, God, a lot of Zoom. Zoom heavy. 
Worst part about Zoom shows is cleaning the blood off your computer after you've cut yourself on purpose. <laughs> I really went after Zoom shows. Yeah, that's because get it. I, I, I was a cutter on purpose and now it's on my laptop keyboard computer. Uh, do we still call it a keyboard or we call it a keypad? Probably. Um, yeah, I don't know. Okay, guys, that was uh, that was it for Patrick Keen's tweets of the week. So be sure to, if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's Keen of Comedy, K-E-A-N-E of Comedy. And it's also on Instagram, too. And uh, it's also on TikTok. Keen, I think it's called Keen of Comedy 8 or something like that. Yeah, I have a TikTok account, and I've been doing some stuff. And uh, it's been great. It's been fun. been getting some good feedback on those. And I just posted... Um, the uh, video from the Perfect 33 Foundation run by David Wells that benefits veterans and their families uh, down in San Diego. And people from all over the world come to that every uh, every kind of late summer, early fall. And it was great. And the, the video came out great. Henry Phillips is fantastic. Uh, filmer, editor, all that. As well as performer, writer, comedic, <clears throat> comedically or otherwise. Um. Okay, uh, looks like we're going to wrap up here. Bistro K show, uh, I don't know if we're going to have one in December or even in the cold weather months because I really want to keep it outside and they want to move it inside. And uh, God, Americans, or like not Americans, Los Angeles, Southern Californians. New Yorkers are having outside shows. <laughs> Laguna Niguel can't. Uh, so we might keep it like till April when it's nicer because I don't, I don't want to do indoor shows. Um, anyway. Yeah, follow me on, on Instagram and all these things. Uh, subscribe to this Get On Things podcast. I hope you're getting through. This was kind of a dead week. I don't know, for me, it was that week between, uh, you know, the election and the results and all that. And uh, now we move into Thanksgiving and uh, the holidays, and that'll fly. That'll fly. It'll be like early January before people are like, what happened? And I mean early January. I almost mean January 10th or 8th. You know what I mean? Like, we, we the world disappears, or at least this country does, or at least my business does, even though it's already disappeared completely. Anyway, it disappears for about two months. This is you're you're listening to an insane human being right now talking to a microphone in in his bunker in his bedroom in Los Angeles. That's what this is. This could be the last time my voice is ever done. Uh, okay, I have a lot of stuff left to talk about, weirdly, but I'm gonna bump that to next week. None of it is time sensitive. Uh, it looks like pretty evergreen. Uh, I love you guys for listening, and I hope you're well. And hang in there day to day, half a day by half a day, hour by hour. Uh, find these things that you can cling to, um, healthy things that you can cling to that get you through this. Okay? Well, it will end, I, su- I assure you. I don't know how I know, but it will. It's got to. All right. I love you. Thank you. Bye. See you next time. Keen on Things podcast.